0: With our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com hello and welcome to footballistically arsenal i am boyd hilton sidekick josh landy is with us in his soho house style office and Evening, Boyd. If, anyone thinks, if anyone thinks that joke is tired and i should stop saying it let me just say a big shout out to mike Mulderhill of her majesty's daily mail who i used to work with years ago decades ago who i bumped into i met at a a Netflix event last week. And he said that he listens to the podcast religiously and loves it and particularly likes things like the running joke about Josh's house style office.
2: Yeah, I am so loyal to doing the podcast from this particular spot in my house. I worry now about the idea of moving. You're loyal as well, Boyd. You, I've never seen any other part of your home apart from well this vantage point that I get each week.
0: Yeah, that's because I, use, I, I do podcasts on my um, fixed desktop iMac. Uh, fixed as in, you know, on my desk in my little... Letting everyone know you've got a nice iMac, Boyd? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's years old now. Um yeah. but yeah.
2: Um you anyway, need to do some more events for Apple these days. You haven't been asked in a while. And
0: Apple don't do them anymore. That's the problem. Mm. That is the big problem, Josh.
2: Well, Aren't talking these... of uh, of all these things you get asked to do, could, mm. I know you're gonna introduce our guest, but after you've done that, can you tell us about your experience with Amazon Prime?
0: I will, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let Good. us introduce our, our glorious guest, uh Footballistic football, the Arsenal regular and all round legend Alan Alga.
1: How are we doing, guys? Very good, thank you. How are you? Good. Very good. Very good. Good to be here.
0: As ever. As ever. Um, yes, I w- well, I was at the game on Thursday, because this is the first podcast we've done, because we only do one a week, unlike other uh, 25 other podcasts that are out there. Arsenal um, podcasts. Uh, uh, the Liverpool game on Thursday. I was a guest of Amazon Prime. Wednesday. Um, was it Wednesday? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's Thursday. Well done. Good point. Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday. Everything's a blur everything's a blur um i was a guest of amazon prime i was with their publicity people their lovely publicity people um sophie and others um and and a kind of random cool. gaggle of uh other media polloi types including most random of all i think um uh a guy called um uber spelt W W O B A H. uber do you know who he is josh no. Uber, Uber Butler is his full name. He hosts Catfish UK on MTV. The UK version of the documentary series Catfish, which itself was a spin off from an excellent film called Catfish. And he is a TV presenter and he hosts the show. And he's called Uber, amazingly. And um, uh, constantly has to say, as in, not as in Uber, the um, cab firm, the pirate.
2: I've just googled him, and you know what? I immediately recognised him. From. Oh,
0: there you go. Oh, yeah. Go on.
2: Um, there was quite a big piece of content done a few years back when the it was for Vice, and it was all about mm. this shed at Dulwich, a fake restaurant that was set up to get oh, TripAdvisor reviews and yeah. became like the number one yeah. restaurant in London. That was
0: him. Wow. I mean, fantastic. A good bit of good bit of uh googling yeah, i remember that story there was also he's a he's a lovely guy arsenal fan um there's also a a guy from love island who um who i who's I've forgotten already who I, but i recognised from the tv and he goes oh yeah i was on love island and i was like oh that would have been it um and he was lovely oh let me hold on one sec i just need to turn off my tv because the chase is on <laughs> all of a sudden i mean you know i watched the chase one sec
2: I mean, that is taking this podcast to new lows, I would suggest, Alan. We've been interrupted because Boyd has got to <laughs> pause the chase um, rather than carry on doing this podcast.
1: He can't think it, surely. I mean, there must be hundreds of episodes of it now.
2: Sure. Yeah, but Boyd, you have to watch so much telly. You have yes. to get through so much television. Yeah. And yet you're committed to watching The Chase as religiously as you do. It's impressive.
0: The Chase, let me tell you, The Chase, hosted by Arsenal fan Bradley Walsh, who it's my long ongoing dream to get him on the podcast. One day we'll get him on. He's a busy man, though. Mainly because he records about five episodes of The Chase every day. Um, he, yeah, I love The Chase. It's the best program on TV. And I religiously, I, I, if I can't watch it live at five o'clock on TV, I literally record it. Yeah. I can't miss an episode. I'll say, I'll, well, make, I'll say that now. Fair play to you. What
2: did you get? Any exactly. nuggets of information about what's
0: going on in this the, the, documentary? I can't. I'm 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 severely um, embargoed and off the record about the about the documentary.
2: Boy, don't worry. No one listens <laughs> to this podcast anymore. <laughs> Not since Dermot O'Leary left. You can
0: tell us. Come on. Charming, charming. What I will say is, what I will say is this: um, that, and this is going to sound incredibly um, obvious thing to say from the people who I've spoke to, but the Amazon team were absolutely enamored with Arsenal as a club and as people to deal with, um, that they were, they were just, I would say delighted and they were really keen to, to, to cause And they have no, they're not Arsenal fans, by the way, the, um, the, the Amazon, in fact, one of them was a Liverpool fan, um, but they were generally, so I was, you know, what Arsenal have been like to deal with generally, you know, the club, the the players, the manager, the staff, the publicity team, etc. And they were like, top to bottom, completely professional and a delight. So that, I mean, that is, you know, and I don't want to say, I don't want to tell tales out of school, but let's just say, how can I put this? Maybe not all previous. No, I can't even say that. Let's just say they were absolutely thrilled with how Arsenal have been to deal with. In the making of the um, documentary series coming up on Amazon, it's really Fox. lovely to hear. Yeah, yeah, I, I and, and it, I could say it was genuine. There's no reason for them to say that to me because you know I don't represent Arsenal, or whatever. So yeah, they were just being very um, positive about that. And and that it is going to be. I mean, obviously the the roller coaster of a season, you know. So I was saying they must be thrilled that you know if they did choose Arsenal this year because starting with the three game opening nightmare and you know how we've ended up now and they were like 100% absolutely they are fucking thrilled that that you know they've got the drama and it is a drama going to be a drama filled series without doubt yeah
2: so new signings coming in yeah the best player at the club at the beginning of the season suddenly being an outcast by January and, and gone and let go. Yeah. There's a, yeah, all sorts of drama um, that we can look forward to seeing. Boyd, I'm so thrilled you had a good time with the Amazon. We're all looking forward to watching it when it comes out at the end of a season. Will it be yeah. how quickly after the end of the
0: season does it come out? Do we know? Uh, well, previous ones, I think, have gone out um early August-ish, I think. Um, okay. So they're kind of like, because they want it to be you know, in time for the new season, obviously, but not too late after. This. So I think, yeah, I think we're talking summer. I mean, that's all. I think that's all I'd say. I think it is.
2: You'll get a little preview, boy, don't you? You're important. Oh, yeah. You'll get it before the rest of us. God, yeah.
0: Yeah, I fucking hope so. Yeah, no, I, mm. I'm pretty sure I will. Yes, absolutely. The other thing is to say is before we... Sorry, sorry, Alan, I'm droning on like this. Um, I mean, it's not It's not unusual. That I drone on like this. Is Let's talk about the Liverpool game a bit. And all, I wanted to start, but it's... I, so I was at the clock end. My The box I was in was um at the clock in above the Liverpool fans, literally so you could look down upon the Liverpool fans having a great old time um, when they scored both goals and what I would say is it's a completely different experience so my my club level season ticket is at the other end kind of north bank east stand corner above the co- right by the corner flag really um, and we have a brilliant view of any of that goal but we also pretty much can easily see the other end as well such as the positioning of, of our seats um and we can see the, the this big screen so you know for all the replays weirdly um in this box particularly uh where, where we were sat you couldn't see the screens at all really and, and I know that I think they're, they're developing the screens or changing the screens or bringing in more screens. And I think this summer as part of the renovation of the, of the ground. But also your view of, or certainly my view, and I need, do need new glasses, but my view of everything going on at the other end, and a lot happened at the other end, frankly, was really difficult. So, for example, Allison's Omega super save that he made, which was really a turning point in the game, I didn't really see at all. And so like, you know, I could see like a save had happened, but the, the, the actual brilliance of it, you know, cause it was quite a melee situation. I couldn't, re- so I did that. It, the brilliance of that save in this nuance of that moment didn't really hit home until I went home later Boy, and watched the whole thing. Yeah. You're making this sound like you were sat in the clock
2: end in the <laughs> early nineties behind the pillar, which is a sort of ticket I used to get given, um, you know, to, to go and watch Arsenal. I can vividly remember being literally the seats behind a pillar. You're in a, brand new stadium really 15 years old
0: in a box and you're claiming you couldn't see what was going on at the other end what what are you talking about it's true that like you have to really it's difficult I mean it's partly my eyesight I do need new glasses but that my, that particular, I mean, I could see most things, but that particular moment did not register right. how major it was. That's all I'm saying. We've got to bring in
2: Alan here. Alan yes. is a uh, an expert in hospitality <laughs> at football matches and indeed at all sporting events. I know he rushed back from Cheltenham just to be at Arsenal Liverpool the other night. Alan, have you ever heard this? Not being able to see the other end of the pitch from a
1: box. Do you know what uh, the box you're describing must be right near the the club level season tickets I bought halfway through this season. Um, And I don't have that much trouble seeing both ends. So I'm thinking it might be your eyesight here, Poyd. Mm. But yeah,
0: um, I mean, I'm not denying it. uh, I admit it. I know
1: there's a bit of a dip when you get a bit higher up where you can't see the boxes if you're uh, in the back row of the boxes. Um, You can't see the screens if you're in the back row of the boxes. But I mean, I I was at Tottenham yesterday um, as part of my uh sponsorship of west ham or my company sponsorship of west ham and they seem to have just taken every stadium over the last 20 years and just come up with the best bits and i've got unfortunately saying on here that they are leading the way at the moment with that because this is not a bad view in the stadium and everything seems to be absolutely perfect apart from the location and the team that play there it's an it's an amazing stadium. So I think that's probably the benchmark now. We were the benchmark 15 yeah. years ago, and I still think it's a uh, it's a it's a good enough stadium. I i i, I <laughs> that particular game, it was interesting to watch the Liverpool fans because there wasn't that much interaction until they obviously stuck. They went ahead in the game, and then there was a hell of, hell of a lot of singing. Um, the Leicester fans was it the week before or about five days before? They they were they were fighting with stewards and all kinds of things were going on between the divide of them and the and the east ends. God knows what was going on there, but yeah, the, the club level tickets I've got are right above, so we get all that interaction with the away fans there. And and one of the good things is that, that clock in lower tier now and the upper tier are both vocal throughout the game, singing songs and uh, yeah. even when we were behind against Liverpool. So there's an incredible atmosphere up that end now and. You know, when the bigger teams come and they've got bigger way followings, it really is creating an amazing
0: atmosphere yeah the atmosphere was 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 fantastic as you say definitely i would it's definitely i don't want to labor this point but uh, the the, you can't see much of this i was sat in the front row of the box i mean i made sure i literally made sure that i sat in the front row of the box before the game started i didn't want any you know i needed to get the best view and you can't see much of this big screen either i mean it's just a weird anomaly i think in this particular box i was in yeah i Um,
2: don't get much of the big screens anymore because of the extra row that was put in club level above me effectively me being in the back row of a lower tier but I do wow. have a smaller screen sort of just above me to the right that they've put there for the, for the back oh, okay. few rows. Who were you sat next to then? Were you, were you sat with Uber?
0: I wasn't sat with Uber. I sat with a lovely chap who's actually the husband of, um, the, of one of the Amazon Prime publicists. <laughs> yeah, and he was a delight. Oh, okay, good. The invites went out to the most important of people then, boy. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm guy. I hope they don't listen to this fucking podcast. No, she, um, um, his lovely wife, Anna, was ill. Was ill. She was home looking after their child. In fact, looking at, No, she wasn't ill. Looking after their ill child. So she was doing that, and he came along. I think he's yeah. So there we go. Let's maybe let's not include that bit either. It doesn't matter. It's fine. But um, it was it was a. Uh, but what was funny? <laughs> my final thing I was going to say about it is that um, the whole Amazon Prime thing. The poor Amazon Prime people did have to witness me. I mean, it was, we had a lovely time. You know, obviously they have to give you delicious food you know, before, during, and after, and all of what that. What food did you get, boys? Oh, like, lovely, um, there was a lovely veggie burger, a delicious veggie burger, that, shall we say, was a major step up from the veggie burgers you get in the normal bit of club level, which you have to pay 12 pounds for, with or without chips. So the food was delicious and everything, but they had to put out with me... Being incredibly miserable and and silent and sullen when particularly when the second Liverpool goal went in. Obviously, when the first one went in, you still we still thought we had a chance and you know still still excited. But when the second one in, it was, it was all over, wasn't it? Let's face it. And I they had to witness my 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 reactions to that, and I could not I could not pretend in any way to be uh, you know to have any kind of hope or anything. So I was fucking miserable. And have to de- have
2: Did to- you leave quickly then at the end of the game? I left
0: very quickly. Yeah. No mingling. Very, no mingling. No, I couldn't face, I couldn't face the posts to nor defeat mingling. No. I
1: think I, I think I should own up at this point, Boyd, because yeah. I was texting Josh on my frantic journey back from Cheltenham. So I was at Cheltenham races. We were sponsoring the main race there that day as a company, We sponsor everything obviously. And, uh, but I'd made the decision that, you know, it's a huge game. I want to dash back. Rush Yershin, who's been on this pod, was with me yep. at Chet- I said, look, I'll meet you by the car park and we'll uh, head as fast as we can legally to uh, to Potters Bar station, heading to Finsbury Park. I think we'll make it on time for kickoff. I then lost the car in a muddy oh. field for about forty minutes and could find it. To the point I thought someone had obviously just made it disappear somehow. I couldn't find it at all. So we were wet through and muddy when we eventually found it. Then had the two-hour car journey, jumping in on the train at Potts Bar. And I was actually late for a game for once. So I'm, I'm owning wow. up now because that's, that's, I was like a- anyone that misses a minute of any game ever.
0: That is a pretty good excuse, though. So, how much did you miss of the game? What t- eight minutes? Oh, I, oh my God, that's oh, that's. I mean, yeah,
1: it was painful. It was painful because yeah. it required a, a, a quite a, a severe run from. Uh, we got the tube to Arsenal from Finchley Park, and then uh, a run from Arsenal tube, which. Uh, I don't think I was cut out for after a day at the race. There you go.
0: <laughs> to be honest, Alan, to be honest, you probably got there faster than a normal fan showing up, having a perfectly breezy journey, <laughs> getting to the turnstiles, and having to wait fucking 10 minutes to get through the turnstiles because well, of the normal melee in so many of those turnstiles. Well, I did say
1: that to Russ on the way. I said, look, you know, I, I know they're having trouble with night games. It's an 8-15 kickoff, which is about the latest it can be, obviously. Yeah. And uh, there were still queues as we got there, so you're yeah. still behind five people, even if you're going in with uh, with with five minutes gone. But um, it was worth coming back for, as I say, for the atmosphere and the fact that we we gave them a game for an hour. And uh, yeah. I th- think I think it's you know I think it's very fair to say tide is turning uh, with positive and negative results.
0: Yeah, because. Because I agree, yeah, it, it, we were absolutely. I thought we were, we were we were significantly better than it. I think for the first half, um, to the game to them, uh, Martinelli. I mean, he was just phenomenal, wasn't he? He was absolutely a joy to watch. Just his dribbling and um, his hard work and everything. His skill, the way he trapped the ball. Like he trapped the ball about ten different ways, ten different times. Um, just That's, what That's what I can't believe his technique when he re- receives a ball. Yeah, we don't we don't
1: float it up to him. It's it's almost blasted at him from mm. the opposite wing, and he always manages to kill it and get it into his stride within within a quick move, which is an incredible skill. Especially if you're going to play in a team that want to switch to play as much as as uh, Arteta does. So, I mean, he, he is vital. He he was a bit of a miss, I, I think, at Villa. But if we're going to yeah. going to rotate. A small squad then you've got to have the quality to come in and i think i think just underneath what arteta perceives to be his first 11 i think it's there it's just when you just go to the bench and i'm sure we'll come to the villa game yeah um, and one of our favorite debates but i (laughs) I don't think it's there with the guys that are only getting the 20 minutes and not starting games but we shall see
0: yeah, what did you what did you enjoy most about the you know the the, the Liverpool game, Josh? Apart from the obviously the, the result.
2: Well, it it wasn't getting premium veggie burgers because I didn't get the opportunity <laughs> to get any of those. Because I was snubbed because of some publicist's husband who, who had to make the <laughs> event, and I thought maybe you would have got a plus one for the occasion, and I might Go have what? been in with the running. But
0: Josh, I have to say, because I'm I'm so not a blagger. I'm the world's worst blagger of anything. I never. I, I I'm terrible at asking for free things. About it. I just get invited to stuff and I say yes or no. But I could have. It's so easily got you in as a plus one, and I. <laughs> completely apologize for not even trying to get you in this plus one. Yeah, carry on.
2: Seven years of doing this, boys. <laughs> Seven and a half now with still, I'm still not thought of as a as a plus one option. Never mind. Um no, I really I I, I felt encouraged uh, by the game. I I don't think you could say it was you know the same as the Man City game when you know you felt robbed at the end of it almost of, of not taking something from the game because you know when all was said and done Liverpool I think stepped up a gear maybe when we'd yeah. had the best opportunity of the game for which I know you, you hopefully have had a chance to look back on in ultra HD, having not been able to see <laughs> the incident, despite being in front row of a box where a seat probably cost about a grand for that game, but never mind. Um, yeah, I, I I was encouraged. Oh, the first half we really showed that we, um, you know we are you know we are getting closer, but we are clearly not at that level yet. But that's that's okay. And it was always going to be about can we bounce back on Saturday. And I don't know how much more you want to spend talking about the Liverpool game, but I've got to tell you, I went up to Villa Park and it was one of the most enjoyable away days I've had in a long time. Hold um, your horses let's, about
1: it.
0: Let's... Hold the horse. Let's just have a quick break so we can hear the um, joyous tunes of the ad's jingles and uh, come back after this break. And we're back from the break with I Want to Know Why It Was Such a Glorious Away Day for Josh. And it's time to with Alex Brooker. I went with Alex Brooker. Yeah. I also went. I went with uh, Roman
2: Kemp once of this parish. Oh, um, so we had a great, a great journey up there. I treated them to, to Rogalach, which uh, I assume you all know, boy, uh, You know Rogalach, a little um, chocolate pastry, very kosher Jewish uh, bakery treat. Um, I think it was both their debuts on the Rogalach front. So we were off to a flyer before we'd even got to Watford. Really, with, with how well they went down, and then it was just beautifully sunny. Um, You know, when we got to Villa Park and Villa have got this great outdoor area with food trucks and, you know, uh, places to get drinks. Um, And it just felt like summer is coming and we could see the sun and just a a great atmosphere between the two sets of fans and people, people really friendly. And then one, I really like Villa Park. It's, It's one of these old classic stadiums. We were in the Doug Ellis upper, so they put the fans now in the upper and the lower. um, For for reasons that seem unexplained, the upper do not get served beer, but you can get beer downstairs in the Doug Ellis upper. One of the narrowest concourses I've ever seen in football, the uh, Doug Ellis. I don't know if you've ever been in there, um, Alan, but it, it incredibly narrow. But I've got to say, the atmosphere as an away set of fans was so good. And I know a lot's been made of maybe Arsenal being accused of over celebrating. I think, you know, G- Gabby Abon Lahore uh, said as much on Talk Sport that we over celebrated. Uh, but, don't. Um, don't get me started. And I like, I like Gabby, so I won't, I won't lay into him. But I've got to tell you, the, the the feeling of connection there is between football fans, uh, the fans now, the football fans of Arsenal and the club and the players is as big as it's been in, in such a long time. And there was a new song. Did you did you see the new song? I put it up on my Instagram, a bit of the audio there. Yeah, go on. Well, it's, well. I don't know if I want to sing on this podcast. No, oh, come
0: on. Sing it, yeah. Sing it. Well, what was it? It's, we've
2: got super cartetta. He knows exactly what we need. Tierney at the back, Gabby in attack. Arsenal going back to Champions League. It's kind of that. It's, I might yeah, have killed it a bit.
0: I mean, a bit, but it's fascinating, isn't it? Because that's quite a complicated song that someone is almost like you know, like Stephen Sondheim style has composed lyrics, <laughs> you know, lyrics to match the tune. It and really was
2: going round. It was really going round in the uh, in the away Was fantastic, uh, and of course we we played really well for large parts of the game. We had to hang on it at the end. Saka against Ashley Young, it felt like an unfair battle from the word go, and you felt like that might be where we got a goal from. And you know, in the end, we were we were worthy of a win. Brilliant day.
0: Let's also, yes, Alan. What do you think about the whole? There's this whole thing about Saka getting um, fouled. I mean uh he was fouled and um it, he was injured and you know it looked pretty bad for a bit but he kind of he kind of recovered but it definitely that a, it disrupted our flow i think in the game he spoke to the referee afterwards you could see him talking to the referee afterwards and he basically said in the in the post match interview that he was saying you know can you can you you know i get targeted i think he was pretty much saying i'm i'm, I'm paraphrasing by uh, by opposing players, um, which is a fair point, isn't it? Stevie Gerrard, Stevie G, um, subsequently got seemed to get a bit annoyed by Saka. Talking about being targeted, being fouled, and he said, "You know, are you saying that Arsenal players didn't foul?" And I thought that I like Steven Gerrard. Obviously, I'm a huge admirer of his, but I did think his his felt a bit like Neanderthal, a bit like old school man things that managers say only oh, to the rough and tumble of football and stuff. Because Saka does get fouled a ridiculous amount, and it's amazing to me. These so rarely gets injured. He's played every single fucking game, and I, it's quite astonishing. No,
1: I. I I mean, I can I can go off at many different uh, strands of, of what you've said there. First off, how this boy is playing as well as he is without the rest that we all thought that he needed. And obviously, I think I've said before that Arsenal will have the best-in-class uh, analysis to say whether or not he needs a rest. So we've got to leave it up to those guys. But I genuinely thought that when we had an easy game or two or, or, or went out of the cut or, or um, could have pulled him out of an international squad. That was the time to say to him, go and take two weeks somewhere. You've earned it. And just to break up his season nicely. And, and obviously it didn't happen. And now it might happen because he's forced into it by, by this injury. Uh, the second thing is it was the nicest halftime referee approach that I've ever seen from a player in premier league history. <laughs> yeah. You want- it's almost sweet, isn't it? It's like a, yeah. like a pupil going to a teacher and saying, you know, uh, have we got homework tonight? Or something. <laughs> it's like a ridiculous kind of approach where he's just laughing and joking with the with the ref, when in reality, the point he should have been making was was the point that he said at the end of the game, I'm being targeted here. Gerard's justification for what he then said was absolutely bizarre because he then said, I've got 16 pins in my hip because of... The rough mm. and tumble of this league. Yeah, well, should we try and move away from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah, you know, should we? You know, Arsene Wenger always said that. Um, you know, if players are targeted, it's not really what the game is about. Don't mind a fair challenge, but you know, you shouldn't be having people require surgery, and that's you know, <laughs> Gerard always answered his own point with that. But. Th- th- Did you-
2: he was he's also a bit prickly, wasn't he, Alan? Did you see that whole interview he gave? Oh, That's it was telling. embarrassing.
1: Very, very. But I think he's a guy that will suffer from, I mean, his first, his first experience of management was at a team that, that win more often than the club that he played at when he was a player. So when he's at Villa, he'll be experiencing his highest loss percentage of anything he's ever done in the game. And he's going to have to get used to that. I mean, I think they're doing well and they're they're slowly coming back to punching around their weight of a mid-table, mid-table Premier League club. But in all of his football career, he will not have experienced the amount of regular losses that he will at this club. He, he managed Rangers who have like a win percentage of about 70%. He played for Liverpool. You know, you're looking at 40 to 50% depending on the seasons that they're having. He's gone to a club now that will win about 30 to 40% a game. He will have to handle more losing reactions than winning reactions as he steps up his managerial trail. And because of that, I think he might be getting a bit prickly when he's being beaten by sides that he was used to being on a level footing with when he was a player. And, I think that's what you're seeing coming out there It's that frustration you know Hoddle used to say it was it, you know he was a better player than the players he was coaching and experienced his frustration in that way. I think what you're seeing from Stephen Gerrard and probably Frank Lampard as well is the frustration of losing more often than they're used to in their in their in their careers so far so um he was and i think yeah I think look I, I want. I want fans of other clubs, managers of other clubs and players of other clubs to have prickly reactions to Arsenal uh, performances against them. It's 100%, yeah. what we've enjoyed, you know, for, for you know, from about 87 through to about 2005. And, and hopefully we'll start enjoying it again. Um, now, as, as, as we make that turnaround and transition and, um, if we're coming out of one of those periods and into another one, I am here for it massively.
0: And same, I think, I agree, and same goes for the whole, The whole, I don't really want to dwell too much on the whole, you know, that we're over-celebrating thing, the Gabby of Bong Lahore ridiculous comments and, you know... And Ashley Young said the same thing. It, it's just, it's just evidence of them getting irritated by us winning. That's as so simple as that. It doesn't even need to. It doesn't he? You know, it, it's it's the most basic bullshit thing to say. And everything pretty much that Stephen Gerrard said in his post that post match interview with Des Kelly, I have to say, was excruciatingly awkward because not only are they, you know, Stephen Gerrard was was a BB was a BT Sport pundit. Yeah. What a year ago? Not even not even that. You know. Yeah. Um and having to work with, working with Des Kelly and Des Kelly is clearly a lovely guy. I mean, you know, th- you know, and that, that job, right. The post-match, actually both the pre-match and the post-match interview with managers is the most thankless task in all of media, I think, because, the pre-match none of the managers want to talk tell you what they're going to who they've picked and why it's absolute bullshit that whole thing and then the post-match if for any losing manager to have to listen to you know to be told of course your team was a bit shit wasn't it and explain why you know i mean what a thankless job so so I always think, you know, oh, I, f- I just feel always feel really sorry for those, for those people, including Des Kelly. But for him to stand there, to Gerard to stand there going, I-, I thought you'd ask better questions. Oh, it's so painful. It was so painful. But that's a side issue. Funnily enough. He was almost taking issue with the style of question. Yeah, because he was. He was taking issue with that Des Kelly
2: was almost making... Statements, right? Yeah, but he wasn't asking a question. He was he was reflecting on his his own thoughts and asking, therefore, for Gerard's thoughts on his thoughts.
0: I, to, be, to be honest, he the what what the, the logical conclusion of what Gerard was telling him, he should have asked better questions. The only better question, really, let's face it, to ask in that situation is, didn't you fuck up with your tactics of this team, and why were they so shits? Because you know, in the first half, they, they were barely pressing or doing anything. I mean, I thought we were really good in the game, in the particularly in that. We started the game brilliantly, but they started the game terribly. And, you know, the, every, everything... Yeah, they that,
2: didn't threaten on goal. No. I mean, even in the whole game. Yeah. Um, As the game wore on, obviously, they came close, hit the outside of the post, uh, and created a couple of opportunities. Yeah. That, that first half, I didn't didn't lay a finger yeah, really on that. Exactly,
0: Arsenal. exactly. But I just wanted to mention one funny thing about the Saka um, chat with the referee. As Alan said, the nicest chat with the referee ever. I, tw- I jokingly tweeted, right, uh, when that happened. I said, I said... Um, Zaka telling the referee, "This wouldn't have happened if it had been Zaka, right?" Which is my a, a reference to you know it's become a, a thing that everyone says you know any foul that it, it isn't wouldn't have been as treated as, as badly if it had been Zaka that had committed it. So you know that was my joke. It was I thought obviously a joke, but a lot of people and I got retweeted like hundreds of times, and a lot of people literally retweeted quote tweeted me saying are you sure this is exactly what Saka said? As if I'm like some kind of, um, you know, I I could lip read what he was saying to the referee or hear somehow what he was saying to the referee. They should bear in mind you can't even see the other end of a football pitch. (laughs) Never mind lip read what's going on 100 miles away in Birmingham, boys. That is the irony. That is the irony. So there's me joking about what Saka's saying to the linesman. Every, literally, a lot of people took it seriously. and In fact, I think it's gone semi-viral to the point where I'm still getting people now going, are you sure that's what he said? Did he really say that? I was like, no, you fuckers. I was joking.
2: Oh, dear. I, there was one other t- terrific part of my, my away day, I must tell you. So I've, I've got an electric car, and, and the mileage range Push is up. like 260 miles on the car and it was supposed to be 112 to Villa park. And I thought, there you go. I've got a leeway of like 3540 there. We'll, we'll be okay. Now, Alex Brooker needed to be dropped at Birmingham new street station after the game. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the miles were, you know, there's a few extra miles here or there that I hadn't accounted for on the situation to the point where we, we were heading back to London and suddenly there was five, 10 miles gap. Are we going to make this home or not? And obviously you can stop at a service station and plug in, but that's adding, you know, a lot of journey time to it. I got home in the end with 3% left Wow, on the electric car. It, it was, it was it added drama for sure. Yeah. The whole day. This is like um, this
0: is like an episode. This is like a plane, Strains Automobile special with that with Alan's saga of getting to the getting to the ground eight minutes late in the Liverpool game, and you having this saga of the will the electricity run out on your car? It's quite a it's quite a, a bizarre special. transport woes special. Were not you giving, woes.
2: I was delighted in oh, the end. Yeah, it all worked out. And, and I should say, my electric car got to Cheltenham and back on the on the Tuesday successfully, and I didn't lose my car in in the car park. What maybe Alan? Well, no, I was about to say Alan maybe had a more drink than I did, but clearly not if he was about to
1: drive. No, Um, not at all. Uh, It's because Wednesday was the... Oh, it was so wet, wasn't it? Incredibly rainy day and uh, visibility was down. Um, No, orange juices all day, unfortunately. Tuesday I enjoy myself, though. Um, Good to know, good to know. Um, Alan, what price are we for the top four now? We are two to five. Wow. So... That's very short indeed.
0: Well, even after Spurs triumphed yesterday against yeah. West Ham?
1: Yeah, but we wow. won. So we're just keeping up the... It is it is effectively a match bet between the two teams. And um, we are the stronger of the two in the match bet.
2: Yeah, so to put that into percentile for those that aren't sort of two across the rods, is that is that roughly 70%? Is It's kind of that territory, isn't
1: yeah, it? roughly about
2: 68-32 at the moment. Yeah. Two to five is that with with you at uh, Betway? I'm just having a look. Four to seven at Betway apparently. Calling if I'm looking at the right thing online.
1: Yep, four to seven. Um, yeah. So that's a bit longer, a bit longer. Well, that seems a bit of an overreaction to Tottenham's win against Tottenham's win against West Ham. Um, two to five to four to seven. It seems what? a bit of an overreaction to me. I, I. Are you, you a know, backer, Alan? At one to two, this kind of price yes I am yeah i yeah. I didn't see anything in tottenham uh Tottenham's makeup yesterday that, that worries me at all. I know people are worried by the fixtures that they have but i i'm not I'm not at all worried by the fixtures that Tottenham have um i mean've I've seen bizarre tweets from people saying I can only see them losing uh, dropping points in the Liverpool game that they've got i mean no no, not even the not even the highest quality teams will go through a run of nine games, only dropping points in one. Um, we just have to be way ahead of them in terms of dropping points, which we have been. If you look at the last few games, and we also need to go there and not lose. And I don't think we will. I think I, I actually think we'll go to White Hart Lane and win. Whenever that game is, we will go there and win. Um, I, I, I saw nothing to be threatened by tomorrow, uh, by yesterday. They played West Ham at exactly the right time. You saw the magnificent achievement from West Ham to get to those uh, quarterfinals of the Europa League uh, on Thursday night. And that extra half an hour meant they had to rotate. They had to go five at the back yesterday, play Masuaku, who messed up for the first goal. I mean, they were in the game right until about the 70th, 80th minute, uh, West Ham. Which which shows you that if you know if they're on their last legs and Tottenham cannot even pounce when when at 2-0 they sat back. I I just don't think Tottenham have got enough quality at the back and in midfield to stifle what we've now become, which is a a, a quick interplay, fast attacking team. And the last time I was on here, after the Burnley game, I didn't think we'd achieve becoming that team. But in the game since, we have managed to add that extra element. And, I, I mean, I, I know it, I've it. i noted and obviously keep the stats on things like this. And, and I think one of the big things between Emery and Arteta is Arteta's goals conceded per game in the Premier League is 1.06. So it's just about one goal a game. Unai Emery's was 1.37. That improvement in the defence needed to be complemented by an improvement in the goals per game. I mean, it obviously stands to reason scoring more than conceding. Um, That's not the rocket science part, but he is slowly creeping towards the 1.78 goals per game that Unai Emery's team scored in the Premier League. He's crept from 1.3 at the start of this season up to 1.52. And, you know, that is on the right trajectory to get to nearer, uh, nearer two than it is to one and a half. As mm. soon as you get there, you're in a good place. I still, I, I still should say that, look, points per game in the Premier League, Arteta is still behind Emery. So let's just wow. think about the job that Unai Emery actually did now. If you're, if you're someone that's slowly come round to accepting that Arteta has turned this tanker around and all the bad problems we had and as Josh said earlier I think as a fan base we are and we want to engage with the players we want him to get it right and I don't think that's ever been the that's ever been not the case with the proper supporters and the people that And I always say go to games in this bit here and I don't mean if you're a fan that you know lives the other side of the Atlantic or in different continents that you're not a proper match going fan I think what I mean by that is your Twitter fan that's just looking for attention and just saying Arteta out, Wenger out, without backing it up with any additional opinions. Well, I think the people that had doubts about Arteta, the sensible people that had doubts about Arteta, and I put myself in that bracket, and I'm sure you do, Boyd, and there's plenty of people out mm-hmm. there, even even someone, and I always mention him on this pod, but I think he's a good barometer of Arsenal fans, even someone as sensible as Tim, Tim Steelman had, had doubts about Arteta. He's answered the doubts that we had. So then you adapt as any sensible human being wouldn't go. Yeah, I thought this I've now seen this and and we're progressing the evidence and and Arteta is progressing all of that evidence to say that we're going to become that kind of team. And I really hope that that is seen out in the, in the final games of the season, because to me, it looks as if it should be, I still think we're light, and, and I know we've just touched on the Villa game. I still think we're very light in terms of the personnel we're calling off the bench. But more so in Ketia than Pepe, because I think Pepe is a games and confidence player. And I would certainly have him on if we're against a, a low block and we don't seem to be getting joy from games. And I think he is an asset in those situations, because I don't even think he knows what he's about to do, let alone the opposition. But someone like Inketia is what I would call a lower half championship or top half league one player. And I don't think as a side, you can rely on that kind of player, but I think we'll get away with it because there's not enough quality elsewhere. So um, yeah, Tottenham played West Ham at the right time. Mm. They've, They've got their three points. They've closed that two to five to four to seven, as Josh just said. But, but in reality, I think we'll, we'll, we'll claim that odds on win. I think we'll win there. And and I think we'll be in the top four and we'll start planning for the Champions League. And that opens up such a great array of questions to ask about this team and what you do with it and and how you add to it and what a problem to have.
0: God, there's a lot to address in that, isn't there, Josh? Um, Just quickly, I mean, I do want to acknowledge the fact that... Um, uh, Unai Emery has taken Villarreal into the Champions League quarterfinals. I yep. mean, um, he's doing a pretty good job. I, I, you know, I'm, I was quite fond of him. Apart from his, you know, apart from his awful um, communication skills in in the context of managing an English club, particularly. And I do think we're playing much better football. I think we're we're playing absolute liquid football most of the time now, um, which is a joy to watch. And I think that is, you know, a, a huge a huge improvement uh, so we make the, the exact win percentage and all that and points per game etc is one thing but just watching this team is an absolute joy and we should mention that um I agree with you about Pepe and and Nketiah 100% Pepe did of course come on and commit a terrible clumsy foul in the right towards the end which they well, could
2: have gone Josh well n- neither Pepe or Nketiah put in particularly impressive cameos off the bench i mean we mentioned how um you know we, we've seen glimmers i think from from inkettia coming a bench which which were a bit, bit more encouraging um in the last couple of weeks but this was not one of them there, there was very little to enjoy um in terms of his his contribution and pepe oh my gosh like uh you you well, it, it was obviously a huge relief regardless that nothing came of of the opportunity in the last minute from the free kick. But yeah, he, he basically offered very little. And I think we already knew how much we're going to have to rely on the uh, small group of players we've got. But um, yeah, sadly, we, we knew what was already coming off the bench and uh, then we knew of the likely impact they, they might have. But we should give credit to Bern Leno, shouldn't we? He sat on the bench yeah. for 20 six, I think, Premier League games in a row without without getting a minute since being part of the disastrous opening three games. And he came in and he did did pretty well and the players looked delighted for him. He must be very popular. Um, mm-hmm. Just the, the sort of... Of course, they all went to him at the end because it was the end of the game and hug, but there seems to be a huge amount of, of goodwill towards him and, yeah, I think we're there was some probably people- grateful that we've got a great number two, yeah. actually, that we remember about.
0: There were some people, I think, Alan, you may be one of these people who alluded to the possibility that um, Ramisdale might have been dropped deliberately after his not entirely um, triumphant performance against Liverpool. Yeah, I just,
1: I just suggested that, that all good managers have executed a private dropping with a public injury. It's, mm. it's something that, that, that some bosses like to hold up their sleeve. I'm, I'm not sure whether Arteta is that kind of operator. And I'm sure with better connections at the club, Josh will be able to rubbish what I've said almost immediately. But <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if if he just gave uh, Leno a, a chance to come into the squad and um, just give Ramsdale a little reminder that it, it's not plain sailing. Uh, that The unfortunate thing for Leno is uh, the cup exits and the lack of European football. Because in reality, a second-choice Arsenal keeper, which he wasn't at the start of the season, but a second-choice Arsenal keeper should be racking up 20 games quite easily during a season. And that hasn't happened for him this season. And um, I think it might have just been a, acted as a reminder to Ramsdale whether he was injured or not, that there there is a quality keeper behind him. And he... The the problem with with Leno, and I I think it was Jeff Arsenal that said it, is he's too good to be a second keeper, but he's not good enough to rely on as a first keeper. And I think that sums him up perfectly. Um, If he wanted to stay, and as you say, the players seem to like him, if he wanted to stay, it would make us probably the strongest goalkeeping unit in the Premier League if you took the top, if you took the first two keepers, especially considering how Ramsdale was kicked on this season. But Leno, hopefully he shows his ambition in a slightly better way than Martinez. But if he does show that ambition, I don't think we can stand in his way, which will be unfortunate. But I thought it was an amazing performance from him because the side have got used to the way Ramsdale pings the ball about. Leno doesn't have that in his locker, but he has certain other things in his locker that Ramsdale doesn't have. So, um, in fact, they they did address that on BT Sports straight away by saying, Wonder if this will affect Arsenal today because they're used to the ball pinged low at them whenever Ramsdale dribbles to the edge of his area, and and today they're going to have to sort of look for the the kicks at, mm. you know about ten foot height that that Leno tends to do. So um, it it was different. We adapted well, and to keep a clean
0: sheet was great. He did. He did. Didn't. Um. But just re Ramsdale. Didn't. Um. Arteta said that he's gonna be out for a while. I think he said he's gonna be out for a few games, isn't he? And not be able to play for England, etc.
1: But that's a good break for them as well. I mean, I I sure. I, 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 I suppose that answers my question anyway, because yeah. uh, that's what someone said to me. He said, Look, he's not giving up uh, the chance to have an England place just because Arteta he's right. injured. So it's probably complete rubbish what I've said. But I, I still think that is a valuable tool in a in a in a manager's locker. You know, Fergie started the I'm sure, yeah, the, sure, the, of course, the the of course. public defence private private um you know private uh, sanctions and um you know he was one of the best.
2: Yeah, oh, definitely. We should credit Ramsdale with making the trip to Villa Park as yes. well, shouldn't we? Yeah. to to go and be part of the squad and to go and be one of the first to run over and congratulate Bernd Leno at the at the end of a game and hundred you know, percent. You know, squad unity must count for something, and it cannot be easy for Bernd Leno, a German international goalkeeper, to have been at the last moment of the transfer window because he's not had the summer to get used to the idea that he's going to be a number two this year. So, uh, yeah, credit to, uh, to Ramsdale for showing a bit of class and being part of the trip and congratulating his, his competitor.
0: Yeah, definitely. That was, that was lovely to see. Absolutely. lovely. I think Ramsdale is just a, a hero, isn't he? Just his general, his whole demeanor and, you know, the way he deals with fans and everyone, you know, I've spoken to people at the club about, you know, um, just everything about him—the way he deals with every member of staff he's just a bit of a is a, a bit of a, an absolute delight. And I think he's—you know—it's a real shame for him. I think I think he would have played for England. You know, I'm sure Gareth Southgate would have given him a go um, in at least one of those two matches yeah. coming up. We should say how brilliant it is. We've got four players, you know, including him in in the squad. Brilliant to see those players picked out years and years since you know that happened, Josh.
2: And did you see who we've had called up to the French squad?
0: Yes, that's interesting isn't it? William Saliba, um the long lost <laughs> central defender. And I saw a story today Noni has he been called up to the French squad. He's playing playing brilliantly for Marseille, doing really well obviously. I still don't think I think I said this after that legendary um friendly game played behind closed doors. When he apparently he was absolutely terrible when he just signed for Arsenal, and he was then sent on loan about a week later, and he's never come back since. I don't think, I still don't think he's ever going to play for Arsenal. I really don't. I think, I think no. Was
1: that the Cholton, Cholton or Brentford? Was it at
0: home? Yeah, it was. I yeah.
1: Thought, yeah, yeah. I which of the two it was. It was but, one of them. Yeah. yeah. I think he will play because yeah. I genuinely think that we could have three incredible centre backs, and if if we're oh, going to play, it. if we're going to play four at the back, again. With European football, you'd expect them all to get a fair, fair uh, crack at at, at getting over twenty games each, and hopefully they are interchangeable. Oh,
0: that would be absolutely fantastic. I just, I I just, I don't know. It's having a great time at Marseille. Marseille doing really well. I don't know. I mean, I, I, as I say, we're already seeing stories that talks are going to happen. You know, I, I, I I don't know. It just feels. I don't. I feel like personally, you may not want to bother. You know, why, why. I come back, you know, when you can have a lovely time playing in France, doing really well, getting into the French national team. Anyway, who knows? But we should say, talking of defenders, Rob Holding coming on now towards the end of games to shore things up has become a thing, hasn't it? A kind of wonderful thing. So there's a kind of Rob Holding late, late, you know, kind of hero quality going on there.
1: I love I love the picture meme that someone's put out of him doing the signal for three five three yes. five two. Yes. Because he, he he always signals that as if as if like the players are seeing him and not realizing that that automatically signals that anyway.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a mystery. We're
1: gonna go three five two
0: now. <laughs> yeah. And the final thing to say I want to say about the match, we, we we are running out of time, is that um the Shaka uh where the referee said th- for, for multiple offences and pointed to three fictional <laughs> fouls. And this is the one game, the one game where Granit Xhaka had been scrupulously not fouling players. It was extraordinary. It's almost like he's pointing at
2: other grounds. Yeah. And- that he's offended at, you know, oh boy, that one was for what you did at Leicester. That yeah. one's what you did down <laughs> down at down in South London, you know, the other week at Crystal Palace. It's like madness. It was it, how Xhaka got a booking in that game, like forget Ashley Young getting a booking for hacking <laughs> away at Saka. It was it was yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, so
1: extraordinary. The, the, the Leicester game, he he stopped a ball from going out, didn't he? That was going out into the stand. Yeah. He caught. But it hadn't quite gone gone out completely. Yeah. and he got he got he got reprimanded, but for that by the ref. And then was it Trent Alexander Arnold did exactly exactly the same thing, almost in the, the identical spot on the Wednesday, the ball going into the stand by by blocking it with his hand, even though obviously it was clearly going off. Nothing at all. Play on Liverpool. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Ridiculous. I think. Do you know what though? I think all of this stuff, all of this unfair treatment by referees on Granit Xhaka is—I think it's brilliant for him. I think this is a huge. I mean, he's playing really well. Let's face it; he's you know he's played throughout this entire period of you know of of, of resurgence of Arsenal. He played really well um, in, in both the games. I thought some of his passing, you know, in the in the Villa game was fantastic. But I think this being picked on and tre- unfairly treated by referees is going to be the making of him because now fans are rooting for him. You know, before, even, even when he was playing when we were winning, there's still the whole thing that was somehow getting away with having this fucking idiot in the team who gets booked every game and you think could be sent off any minute and do something stupid. But because it's, they're treating him so unfairly, I think he's becoming a bit of a folk hero now because we all, we all feel sorry for him. So I think, you know, I think it's fine. I think it's, it's doing him no, no, no end of good, personally. There we go. Mike. Um, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks, Alan. <laughs> All we need now is finally to predict the next game, which obviously we're 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 entering the interlull of um, no uh, Arsenal games until Crystal Palace trip to Southeast
2: London, which is which the, will probably take about as long to get to as it did to Villa Park. Yeah, the truth, Paddy Vieira died of London. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to go to this one as well. Uh, the demand for you know away tickets is has been yeah. in ages now isn't it because we're doing so well and and hopefully going to see us home to this top four finish so yeah i'm 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 i'll be there i mean it's we've got as long as it's a possible wait right we've got two weeks tonight we'll be in, in south east london are you are you seeking a score prediction at the two weeks out boy of course of course i am 2 nil to the arsenal as Straight we continue there. our march and Straight grab that 4 in. to 7 while you can from even wherever, after, you, wherever you can find
0: it. Even after Crystal Palace's excellent um, victory at the weekend, you're still, you're still um, a 2-0 victory. Yeah, fine, fine. Yeah. Okay, Alan? I think they've got players
1: that can cause us a lot of issues. Uh, I mean, uh, let's just go back to the Watford game and, and you know they weren't in particularly good form and managed to sneak two goals against us because we were expressive away from home. Hopefully, we don't make that mistake again. But if we make it uh, an end-to-end game, they've got players that could punish us. Uh, I think this will be... I mean, I th- i think this will be 4-2 to Arsenal. 4-2. Wow. Win. I think there'll be loads of goals. I think it'll be a really exciting game on a Monday night. What do you think, Boyd? Um,
0: I'm going to go 2-1 to Arsenal. 2-1 to Arsenal. Yeah. I think, I, a a th- yeah, um, I think it's going to be a hard draw coming on. It's going to be hard for, but I think we're in the mood. We'll be in the mood to win. Yeah. Fantastic. Good stuff. You're going to go lot- to any of the England England games over this break, boy? Oh, God, no. No, no. no.
2: I mean, I'm going to, going to check in on Pepe. I think I'll go to England, Ivory Coast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Lovely. <laughs> well, we can study his technique for Ivory Coast <laughs> and get back to us on that one. Um, Alan, as ever, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you very much. Very enjoyable. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, and cheers, Josh. And yeah, we'll be back. We'll we'll take a quick international break as well, and we'll be back after the Crystal Palace game. Cheers, bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at PlaybackMedia.co.uk.
1: Sports social podcast network.